Quantum Rabbit, a Frankensound podcast. A little while ago, Wired Magazine did a feature with the title, Get Ready to Hear a Lot More About XR. The article goes on to explain what XR is by saying it's a real thing, but also not a real thing. It's a term that's meant to describe a number of technologies that enable immersive experiences, including VR, virtual reality, and AR, augmented reality, plus MR, mixed reality, which if you don't know what any of those are yet, it doesn't really matter because that's really just a tie-in for the story, which is actually more of an adventure in finding art in unexpected places, namely the Grand Theft Auto video game series. Enter Irish, Dublin-based artist Alan Butler. I met him at a conference recently called XRWA. He's doing something quite different in this field. He's experimenting in this in-between space between the real and the virtual or computer-generated world, interchanging those ideas and mixing them up. And one of the mediums he works in is video games. We found what was possibly the noisiest spot in the hotel to have a chat. My interest, I guess my research area for the artworks I produce, the, the research area that it stems out of, it looks at um, like how we locate the boundaries between the real and the virtual in society ourselves. Um, my artworks that I produce inside video games use a kind of, I guess, a kind of performative way of producing work where I'm inside a video game and I'm pretending that that video game is reality itself so what kind of artwork or what kind of artistic autonomy can I find in the video game world to be creative and produce works of art but possibly not in a way you may expect what I've done is I've taken the 1983 film directed by Godfrey Reggio called Koyaanisqatsi which basically is a film which points the camera at uh, planet Earth and you know Western society at the end of the 20th century. You know, and I guess like we use this term, you're seeing it, we can see it everywhere now, called the Anthropocene, which is this geological age where mankind's activities, particularly you know like driven by capitalism, have changed the geological nature of our planet, they've changed the physical structure of our planet. Koyaanisqatsi is quite prophetic in terms of describing this almost 40 years ago. And I've remade it shot for shot inside the Grand Theft Auto video game series. The game Grand Theft Auto has actually been around since the late 90s. As an open world action adventure, nowadays it's hugely popular. It's set in fictional places which resemble real places, namely New York, Miami, and the state of California. Being an open-world environment, players can pretty much do what they want in this game, but they generally get around driving, carjacking, and getting involved in the city's criminal underground while evading law enforcement. Alan's recreation of Koyaanisqatsi, shot for shot inside Grand Theft Auto, is called On Exactitude in Science. The name on Exactitude in Science is taken from a uh, Jorge Luis Borges short story from the 1950s. Borges actually is kind of like at the beginning of postmodernism, I guess. The short story is a reversioning of a segment of text from the Lewis Carroll short story in the 19th century. 
So he, there was Lewis Carroll came up with this idea, and then Borges rewrote it as a short story, which um, describes a, a fictional ancient civilization that creates a map so detailed that it covers the entirety of the land that it's describing, so like a one-to-one scale map. I can see how the name relates to an artwork that kind of tries to subvert the idea of a game that mimics the territory that it's attempting to describe for entertainment. But this one-to-one scale map in the short story, it sounds kind of useless. And it makes me think there's something else going on here that we haven't quite got to yet. On Exactitude in Science manifests itself as a two-screen video installation, with the original film and Grand Theft Auto version played alongside each other. When I view the work, the small cinema is dark and empty. Two projectors sit side by side, pointing at the far wall, as Philip Glass's eerie soundtrack plays in 5.1 surround. The experience is, to be honest, a little unsettling. There's a striking similarity between the original motion picture and Alan's simulated version. At times my brain has trouble calculating which is which. Sometimes the 3D graphics look amazingly realistic, and at others they're spooky, kind of abnormal distortions of reality. One thing is clear, this obviously took a lot of time to put together, and I asked Alan how he did it. A lot of video games nowadays incorporate tools for photography and filmmaking into the game experience. When you're running around a game, you can press record, and then rather than it being like a, like a video you take on your phone, where whatever you're pointing the camera at or whatever you see on the screen at that point is what's there, you're able to uh, use that clip and go into like the editing mode and then change the, the camera angle and the perspective and the depth of field and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's quite sophisticated, but it's also quite limited. You know, they kind of restricted the, the length of um, recordings you can make and uh, the, the distance uh, you can travel back with the camera and all this kind of stuff. Essentially, the tools existing in the game weren't quite up to the task for what Alan was trying to achieve. And that's where the point where I realised that in order to remake a film like Koyana Skatsi, um, I had to enter into a process called modding. And so for people who don't know what that is, modding is uh, an activity where essentially just people modify existing video games and they customise them in ways that are kind of interesting and humorous and bizarre. And Mods can range from small changes in a game to a complete overhaul, affecting the way the game is played and the audience that it appeals to. There's a community of um, mod people that um, are out there producing content, you know, so, and it, it, it kind of goes along with like people's own kind of weird, kind of nerdy, geeky, esoteric interests. Some of you may have heard of a live streaming platform called Twitch. It's a broadcasting platform focused mainly on people streaming themselves live playing video games. And according to Wikipedia, I hate saying that on a podcast, but it currently takes up close to 2% of total internet traffic during peak periods. That's a lot. It speaks to how popular games have become. So now we're in a situation where every year since 2008, the games industry has earned more revenue than film and music industries combined. 
But this makes it less surprising, I guess, that Amazon bought Twitch in 2014 for 1 billion US dollars. In many cases, users on Twitch can both watch and comment on the live videos. It's mostly around gaming content, including esports, but there's also a category called creative for artistic related streams. There's live concerts and a category for IRL in real life, which doesn't kind of fit neatly into one of the other categories. But there's one category of Twitch's live streaming that for some reason you won't find on the site's Wikipedia page. It's called GTA 5 Roleplay. Yeah, I just got a word that this store's being whopped. This is Mr. Chang, detective. He's played by a Twitch user called Lord Kaboon. Hey, who's in right, there? What in the fuck? You? Stop right there. He's just arrived at a building inside the Grand Theft Auto V universe to find another player, Park Ranger Conan, inside. Stop right there. <laughs> What? what are you doing in my establishment? So this is all being live streamed on Twitch, and when I first tuned in, there were close to 16,000 viewers. Are you serious right now? Sorry, Cut what, this are you, shit out. what are you doing with your hand on your side like that? Chang is dressed in a dark button-up shirt with a leather jacket and sunglasses. He looks a little bit like a 1980s Charles Bronson-style character, I guess. Park Ranger Conan is wearing a more official-looking uniform, typical of the job description, including a wide-brimmed hat. The pair begin circling each other in the room, and it looks like we could be about to witness some violence. I don't appreciate your fucking tone. So either you pay you up for your case, or you get the fuck out of here before I arrest you. At this point, things do get a little bit confusing, and it reminds me that what we're watching does involve a fair amount of improvisation. Like I... Wait, what? Hold up. Here's what's gonna you happen. You either pay for your case, or you get the fuck out of here before I arrest ya. It appears Park Ranger Conan has a realization at this stage that he's a bit out of his depth, and he heads for the door. What do you get back want? here I don't right want now, you sir. Face me. What do you want? <laughs> no, you're gonna try to cut Did me. you I'm just spit on me? me? No, I didn't. So you're under arrest for assault. Spitting is assault you in the state of Get off me right now. Get off me right now. I'm taking get you off in. Me right Chang has now cuffed Park Ranger Conan and is walking him towards the back of his vehicle. Are you putting me in the trunk? Are you fucking kidding? You know, you, Sir, listen, I cannot put you in my back seat. This is my last option. Listen, if you go through with this, I'll let you know right now, you're going to jail for a long no, time. No, you're the one going to jail, but you're the one in handcuffs. Chang proceeds to drive to the nearest police station. <laughs> I'm a Park Ranger, you know that, right? You know, this shit is serious. This is very, very So you have to white to me in silent. Anything you say or do can and will be used against you in the court no, of law. I'll have you know. You have to white to attorney the if you cannot right afford attorney. <laughs> You're literally going to get fucked. They arrive at the police station and things get more complicated from there. Got him right here. Bag him and tag him. This man was caught sexy harassing, threatening to fuck people, <laughs> spitting on oh, people. Are you and harassing oh, okay. with the words as well, saying he's going to kill people's families, and all Mr. those things. Do me a oh, favor. I got him. Stop he's handcuffed. Right there's no okay? need for the gun. No, stop. He's already handcuffed. Hey, I got the gun on you, Listen. Mr. Chang. Whoa, 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 sir, sir, sir. We'll leave the adventures of Mr. Chang there. Lord Kaboon, or Kevin, on his Twitch profile, simply describes himself as a content creator with a passion for entertainment and making people laugh but I think he's almost creating a little bit of art as well. At the very least, this is a new form of improvisational comedy that wouldn't exist without the practice of modding games. It's amazing just to kind of see where this stuff 
is going, where like how people use it, and I kind of think it's funny. I was on a panel earlier on about like you know script writing for immersive, and like I was kind of the odd one out because like everyone else was an actual video game or or game alternative reality game writer and author, um, and I I'm someone who kind of like like breaks the games uh, <laughs> rather than writes them. I kind and I'm more interested in the, what happens once the developer kind of publishes at that point. Like, what is, how does the user author the, mm. the, the work itself now? I, I think it's something that's quite forgotten when people make video games, is that, like, well, what's going to happen once it's published? You know? mm. People will be determined to break and do something new with the game. And that's where mod communities come in. And, there's a really good example in Ireland where I'm from, which is called the Irish Emergency Services uh, Roleplay Community. And they've spent tens of thousands of euros modifying the Grand Theft Auto V environment to uh, feature realistic Irish police service uniforms and vehicles and um, ambulance services and the fire brigade and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of funny in this in this game world that has a violence-driven narrative because of the Garda Síochána, which is what we call our police service, um, means the guardians of the peace, and we're actually, uh, we have police that aren't armed. You know? I'd seen Alan speak at the conference the previous day, and I recall that he mentioned an experience he had which kind of changed his perspective a little bit on gaming. It was like about 18 months of playing Grand Theft Auto before... And, you know, I'd finished the game a couple of times and you know, I was just driving around in my car doing nothing one day inside the game and I noticed out of the corner of my eye a group of homeless people under a bridge and I drove over to them and I got out of the car and it was kind of weird, they were kind of interacting with each other, they were kind of like you know, simulations of you know, what you'd imagine a cliche homeless person to be like, just smoking and drinking and doing all this kind of stuff and uh, every player in the game you go around, you have like a virtual smartphone which has a camera app on it. And I took that out and I just started photographing them. And it, I think at that point I kind of left kind of violence driven narratives in video games and I started kind of thinking about, oh well, I'm just role play as a like street photographer. And at about like, you know, 1500 photographs later, I was kind of thinking, oh, like, this, this is kind of like a body of work I can do something with. and. Um, yeah, so the, it kind of became this series called Down and Out Los Santos, and it was uh, documenting the lives and surroundings of kind of simulated homeless people inside the game. And, and they're not like part of the narrative per se as well, you know, like they don't feature in the storyline. Instead, ontologically, I guess, they share the same kind of value as, you know, a, like a tree or a lamppost or a crack in the sidewalk, you know. And so I thought it was really interesting that. Um, where, where they're located in, in, in that narrative because in a way like like if if it's Rockstar Entertainment's job if they're in the business of creating like sufficiently realistic simulations it really highlights a tragedy in society that in order for this to be uh, realistic it has to contain such human misery yeah that you know like we, we shouldn't just say that this is simulation. This is social realism. You know, mm -hmm. like the game is a, a a kind of Marxist critique of society. It's a critique of capitalism and the inclusion of homeless people on the periphery of what the main event is exactly what happens in our world. You know, so it, it, 
my idea is that these virtual kind of street photography photographs become uh, something to actually highlight what's happening in our world. Video games for me now, because it's just become such a big part of my like, artistic practice, like, I don't really even play them for fun anymore. Now, I still have fun exploring the world, but I guess I will engage in a violence driven narrative so that I can finish the game and unlock all of the levels content. I'm researching what the landscapes look like, what the foliage, the trees, the plants, the environments like, and you know, what, what, what's possible to do with that. I'm, I'm adopting kind of, I guess, pre-established kind of modes of art production and trying to apply them to the video game world. There's a, a 19th century photographic process called the cyanotype, um, which you know, creates these blueprints. If, if people want to Google cyanotype, you'll see them and probably think, oh, they look familiar to kind of Victorian era photography. It's like three years after photography itself was invented. Um, so it's old school kind of stuff. But I, I produce um, kind of contact exposures of virtual plants from video game databases through real sunlight onto these sheets of paper using the traditional photochemical process. And it creates this kind of hybrid, virtual, real kind of plant impression. Because when I exhibit them, I don't put them behind glass. I like you see the fibers in the paper. You see the kind of noise the photochemical process makes. Um, but you're looking at a plant that doesn't exist. It's not a, a real thing, you know. And when I make one of those photographic prints, it's the idea that you know photography as well. You can make as many prints as you want. But I actually destroyed the transparency in the egg after making one. So these go from uh, plants that are infinitely reproducible to uh, the same thing, but as a physical image, which is a unique object. Sounds like a real thing, but not a real thing. A bit like XR. Thanks, Alan and Richard Sawada from the Red Film Festival, XRWA, for letting me crash the party. I did have one more question for Alan in that noisy outdoor area. We could talk for hours, but um, I think I'll, I'll just end up with this one. Okay. Are we living in a simulation? Yes. And that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time.